I'm Cahill Summers. And I'm Georgia Glenn. Your Chagas Sustainability Advisors. And you're welcome to the Chagas Environment Edge podcast number 25, bringing you the latest information, science and opinion to improve farm sustainability. With a huge focus on gathering vital data over the last decade, six catchments and over 300 farmers participating in the programme with the aim of improving water quality. Eddie Burgess, Agricultural Catchment Specialist with the Chagas Agricultural Catchments Programme, joins us to discuss nitrogen loss from agriculture. Eddie, you're extremely welcome to the show. Um, Can you give us a little bit on the background of the Agricultural um, Catchments Programme, please? I will, Deirdre. Um, The programme is running for quite a while now. We're uh, 13 or 14 years since the programme started. It, It took a year to select the six catchment areas that you mentioned and to instrument them up. But the Department of Agriculture fund the program completely and they uh, it's actually required as a part of the regulation for the nitrates directive and the derogation that each country monitors the rules. The European regulation requires that each country or each member state in Europe monitors the rules that are implemented to see are they being effective. So not every country has the same rules um, for the nitrates directive. Some countries have nitrate vulnerable zones, other countries have uh, rules uh, across the whole country, whole territory. Um, and in different areas, different parts of Europe, there's different issues. So they would be focusing on different things and would have their different, um, I suppose, tailored regulations for the issues that are that are likely in each country but because of that there is a review of those rules every four years and the agriculture catchments program are monitoring the water at a very high um, resolution in that we take a sample every 10 minutes and have been taking samples for numerous water quality uh, parameters would be the term for different different aspects of water quality. We've been taking a sample every 10 minutes for the last 13 years in our six catchments. Um, and it's it, it with a view to seeing are the regulations having an impact? Uh, are they having enough of an impact or do they need to be changed? Um, and every four years, the regulations get reviewed in Brussels and usually there are a change in the regulations. And from a farming point of view, uh, that's happening just now. And there's a lot of concern um, because the EPA have been reporting of declining trends in water quality. And a lot of focus has come on nitrogen uh, in the last four to five years. Um, and I suppose as, as a result of that, I call when we were arranging today's meeting, I said that we, we discussed nitrogen today to see can, can we shed some light? Because as with all things in water, as I've learned uh, over the last uh, number of the time that I've been working with the Catchments Programme, it's never what it seems. There's always something else to it. There's always other aspects to it. And, and there's a lot of ironies with water quality. Uh, things might do the exact opposite to what you would expect. Might, might not. We, we need nitrogen to grow our crops, but it's almost like it's become a dirty word in recent years. Um, what, what is the issue of nitrogen? Why is it a bad guy? Or why is it shown up on the radar so much lately? Yeah. Um, well, we do. Nitrogen, nitrogen is an essential element and it's needed for plant growth. And there's a lot of nitrogen around us all the time. The air that we breathe is 78% nitrogen. 
soil contains nitrogen naturally. A hectare of soil of grassland could contain over 15 tonnes of nitrogen, most of it tied up in organic matter. A tillage soil could be five, six, or maybe seven tonnes of, of, of nitrogen. So there's, there's nitrogen all around us, and it's cycling. The nitrogen cycle, we would have done it in school. Um, it, it's moving um, and, 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 and it's changing uh, from one form of nitrogen to another the whole time. But it's an essential nutrient for crop growth. Uh, but from a water quality point of view, um, there are two um, aspects to, to, to water quality with nitrogen. Um, drinking water. For water to be safe to drink, there is a standard limit that the amount of nitrate should not exceed. And that's 11.3 uh, is, is the figure of uh, milligrams of nitrate per litre. And if it's in excess of that, it exceeds the drinking water standard. And it's deemed to be of a risk for a, a, a thing called blue baby syndrome. Uh, babies have to get a transfusion uh, and, and this can add to the risk of that taking place. Um, almost, almost all of the drinking water sources in Ireland are well below that standard of 11.3 milligrams per litre. Uh, and in comparison to most other European countries, our drinking water from a nitrate point of view is, is better. Um, is good or uh, yeah, is good and better than it is in a lot of other countries. So we're in a good place. A lot of our uh, drinking water comes from the ground. It's ground water. So you drill a hole, drill a borehole, put a pump into it and pump it out. And the, the standard of our drinking water from ground water is, is very good. And usually when it's in the ground, it has been filtered by the soil and there's very little other contaminants in it. So, so we're in a good place with the type of water that comes out of the ground from both a nitrate and other contamination point of view. But the other aspect where nitrogen is a problem is that it can, um, we spread nitrogen on the ground to grow grass or to grow crops. And if it's in water, it will also encourage growth and it kind of disrupts the balance of what's naturally growing there. And if nitrate levels get high, um, it'll encourage algae to grow. And usually it's salty water where nitrogen is limiting. So a little bit of extra nitrogen getting into water that's salty, and I'm talking about the tidal zones below the last weir in the river, or at sea. It, if those nitrate concentration in those receiving water bodies go above a certain limit, you will have more algae growing there than would be natural. And that um, in turn disrupts the, the ecosystem in that the algae sucks more oxygen out of water uh, in its growth and it's in subsequent death. And it can also lead to uh, toxins. Uh, there's different types of algae that can be dangerous and poisonous and things like that. But it's mostly to do with the ecology that's living there. Um, is, is disturbed and not what it would, we would like it to be. And, and the level we're talking about there, if we compare it to the drinking water standard, which was over 11, the ecological standard in our estuary um, is 2.6. Yeah, we spoke to Jenny Deacon from the EPA last year as well, and she said she was a bit worried about exactly estuaries and, and groundwater popping back up the rivers and end up in the estuary. And we're all familiar with algae blooms now, especially down 
on, on the coast or in our seaside towns and that. But I suppose where are the main sources of nitrogen coming from in agriculture, Eddie? Yeah. Um, well, I mentioned at the, at the outset there that nitrogen is all around us and there's a lot of nitrogen in soil. And nitrogen <clears throat> in the soil, uh, not in the organic form, but when nitrogen um, bacteria in the soil feed on the on organic nitrogen and they break it down in the nitrogen cycle, nitrogen gets converted from organic matter into nitrite and nitrate. And it's nitrate, ammonia and nitrate that plants can take, uh, the, that's the form of nitrogen that growing crops utilize and take it out. And it dissolves in water, particularly nitrate. Uh, it's like dissolving a, a spoonful of sugar in your tea. Nitrate will dissolve in water. Now, that nitrate could come from the air. You'll have ammonia depositions. Uh, usually that's not a lot. Um, it could come from fertilizer that's been applied. It can come from urine patches. Um, it can come from uh, organic matter in the soil that's naturally been released. Um, all of that is available for crop growth. And if we have a growing crop, that, that, that a high yielding growing crop, and we hear of, of grass farmers now looking to grow 13, 14, or even up to 16, utilizing 13 or 14 and growing 16 tons of dry matter per hectare, it'll take a lot of nitrogen to grow that, more than the soil would naturally release out of organic matter. And if that's put out at the right time, you can have very good utilization of the nitrogen that was released naturally and the nitrogen that was applied. But if it's at, put out at a time when crop growth is slow, when soil temperatures are low and day length is short and you have less sunlight and soils might be saturated, then the crop growth isn't as good and that nitrogen will continue to dissolve in the water. And if there's a lot of water in the soil, gravity will pull that water down uh, into groundwater. And once it's gone below the root zone, it's kind of lost to the growing crop. Crop, uh, the roots of the crop have missed it. And it, that may well get pushed on into the groundwater and eventually, eventually end up in our streams. I want to say, I said eventually twice there because there is a time lag. That time lag could be a couple of hours. It could be a couple of days. It might be a season or it could be 20 or 30 years. How long it takes water to travel from when it leaves the root zone to when it ends up in the river is, uh, it, it's not a, a yes, no answer. It, it, some water will travel quite quickly and some soil types, some will get caught uh, in, in humps and hollows in the bedrock and some will move slowly depending on the soil type and the bedrock and the parent material below it. So it becomes very complicated to understand um, how the nitrate uh, travels from below the root zone to when it ends up in the stream. And farmers might do something now that is detrimental to water quality and the results mightn't be found for another three or four years. Or equally, farmers could put in practice uh, uh, really beneficial measures where they're reducing their, their fertilizer application or they're putting in catch crops or things like that. And the benefits from, from what they're doing equally could be, could be delayed and we might not see the response for a number of, number of years. 
Um, Eddie, nitrogen loss can be associated or linked with particular soil types. Could you tell us a little um, more about this, Eddie? And are there any other factors that could be feeding into potential losses? I think to try and, and get an understanding of how nitrogen is lost, um, you need to always come back to the fact that nitrate is carried as being completely dissolved in the water. And you need to try and get your thoughts around how is that water moving from when it leaves the root zone in, in the soil to when it ends up in the stream. And if you have a heavy clay, high clay content soil type, when it rains on that type of soil, a bigger portion of the water will flow off the surface and is not going to percolate down through the soil. So we don't have as much of the nitrate that is in the soil dissolving in the water and more of the water is ending up in the stream from flowing across the surface. And in those cases, and in our catchments, we have catchments which, which that exactly is happening. The nitrate uh, load, the amount of nitrogen leaving the catchment or the concentration of nitrogen in the streams are lower in comparison to ones that are free draining where most of the rain that falls on the surface percolates through the soil, it passes down through the zone where nitrate is available. The nitrate is picked up by that water and is carried down into the groundwater, eventually ending up in the stream. And the nitrate in those catchments, generally speaking, is higher. And that is not always related to the intensity of the catchment. What I'm saying is, if you have a heavy soil type, you could have a much higher stocking rate and fertilizer application rate going onto the land and have a much lower nitrate loss to the river uh, and vice versa. On, on a tillage catchment of free draining soil type, you might have a much lower application of nitrogen, but yet because of the, the pathway, the free draining nature of the soil, nitrate has been made available, uh, it's getting picked up and the nitrate concentration in the stream is higher. But also we need to think of the sources of nitrogen. I mentioned that nitrogen is all around us and, and fertilizer and, and dung and slurry and urine patches being applied is one source of it, but it, it is there naturally. And uh, tillage um, land where you're plowing soil up will aerate the soil and the bacteria living in the soil will break down organic matter and release nitrogen. And if we don't have a crop growing uh, to, to take up that nitrogen, it will be available to get dissolved in the water and carried um, down, down uh, eventually ending up in springs into, into our streams. And, and that is one of the reasons that uh, the current changes in the nitrates directive is looking for tillage farmers to establish green cover as quickly as possible after crops are harvested. Because in the autumn time of the year, um, generally speaking, you have stubbles and there isn't much growth, but soil temperatures are still high. Um, usually, not always, the weather changes from one year to the next, but usually days are getting shorter. There isn't as much drying conditions taking place. The soils begin to get damper. And when the soils are wet and it rains on them, you, it, it's almost like opening up the roadway for the nitrate to dissolve in the water and get carried down. And, and if there hasn't been a crop growing there to, to capture that nitrogen, it's available to get carried in the water as it percolates through the soil.
Eddie, you've mentioned the back end of the year, the autumn and tillage crops, and uh, it's an important one, but I suppose the old saying, Ireland would be a lovely little country if you could put a roof on it, because the rain from one side of the country to the other is, is horrendous. How much of an impact does the seasonality or the weather or the winter versus spring temperature amount of rain impact on nitrate and loss? Because you have mentioned a few times it's in the soil, but it has to be washed out of it. Yeah, yeah. There, there is, in, in general, there is a seasonality to the concentration of nitrogen ending up in, in our streams. And uh, this may contradict um, the time lag that I was discussing a little bit earlier. And, and I suppose it just all shows the complexity of it. But in general, um, nitrate levels are probably higher in the soil the closer you are to the surface. And I mentioned that it's the water flowing through the soil that carries that nitrogen. So if the water table is high, or if the rainwater gets into the water table quite quickly because it's high, the, the nitrate concentration tends to be higher. So I, I often heard, and, and still hear, that if you wanted to bore a well, uh, on your land for our water supply. September is a good month to do it because the water table is at its lowest. And if you can get a good supply in September, it's going to supply you year round. Um, and again, typically at that time of the year, if you look at the ditches and maybe land drains going around, they're not flowing at that time of the year. Water table has gone lower. The ditches at the edge of your field are gone dry. Pipes taking drainage water off the land mightn't be flowing. But at this time of the year now, it's... Um, I know we've had a, just come out of a very dry January, but typically um, there's a lot more water in the soil. Soils are saturated, field drains are flowing, and the water is flowing at a higher level in the soil. You don't have to go as deep to get the movement of water. And that nitrate, the, the water nitrate concentration, when you have streams being filled from a higher table, the concentration of nitrate is higher. So we're, I mentioned we're taking a sample every 10 minutes, but if you're looking at the daily figure for nitrate or the weekly or the monthly figure concentration for nitrate, we would notice that the nitrate concentration at this time of the year is probably at its highest. And it's at its lowest when the water table is at its lowest, maybe in the month of September, end of August, September, before the soils begin to, we call it the recharge period, when the soils begin to wet up again and the water table gets recharged. Before that happens, the nitrate concentration in the streams leaving is, is at a, usually at its lowest. And this came to an extreme uh, in 2018. Uh, we had an exceptionally dry summer. And so dry that um, crop growth stopped. And crop growth didn't stop because of a lack of nitrogen. Crop growth stopped, the grass stopped growing because it didn't have any water. And uh, putting nitrogen onto a crop that's suffering because of drought isn't going to fix it. Um, it's like going to the dentist if you have an ingrown toenail. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it will only fix it for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, and, and the soil, the soil was also naturally releasing nitrogen, but it, it, the soils dried out and cracked and became very aerated and open. And when it did rain that autumn, it rained really heavy. We had torrential downpours of rain. And the nitrogen that was in the soil, be that organic matter that got mineralized, chemical fertilizer that was applied, urine patches, all that nitrogen flushed very quickly through the dried out soil and ended up in our streams. And we saw peaks of nitrogen 
that we have never seen before in the captions program. In some cases, double the, 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 the highest nitrate levels that we've seen before. And catchments that normally have a heavy soil and would have had low nitrate levels uh, had high nitrate, they had a high peak for nitrate. Eddie, um, scientists and advisors um, working in catchments talk about this nitrogen load and the impact that it does have on water quality. Can you just tell us a little bit about what nitrogen load means? Yeah, yeah, I, I can. And I, and I have to admit, I was working in the catchments program for four or five years before I uh, had the guts to, to, to admit that I didn't understand what load meant. Um, but the, there's a difference between concentration and load. And I mentioned that nitrate can cause eutrophication. And, and we, if we think of the receiving water body, the receiving area that's going to be impacted, be that uh, a drinking water source that you're going to take water out of, or an estuary that's going to have an algae bloom in it. It's the concentration that's in that receiving body, water body, that's important. We need to know, is the nitrogen above 2.6 in, in, in the estuary that will cause a problem? In the groundwater, if it's above 11.3, that will cause a problem. But to get there, the river that's feeding into the estuary, um, it's delivering a load of nitrogen into that estuary. So we know the volume of water, and we can calculate the concentration of nitrogen in each gallon of water or each cubic meter leaving it. And we can average that out over the area that's been drained by that river. And um, Rivers that are problematic where nitrogen is an issue, like the River Slaney or the River Barrow, which tend to be in our freer draining soil types, have an average load of between 20 and 40 kilograms of nitrogen per hectare in the catchment, leaving them. And that can vary. Uh, it can vary from one year to the next. In dry summers, that will be higher. And if you have exceptionally wet years in a row, that will be lower. Um, but it can be very easy to think that there is an excessively high load of nitrogen being applied to the land. And the more that you apply, the more there's going to be lost. And, and there is logic in that uh, way of thinking. But that's not the whole, um, the whole story. It's not as simple as that. Obviously, the, the, the source has to be there in the first place. And the more that goes on, you have a greater source, the risk is going to be higher. But if you have a freer soil type, the risk is higher. If you have a drier summer, the risk is higher. And if you have the source of nitrogen being applied at the wrong time of the year when you don't have growth to take it up, the risk is higher. It's not as simple as saying the load uh, leaving the catchment is proportional to the load of fertilizer being applied. The, the risk is higher, but there are other factors that you need to consider. And if you have high crop offtakes, that, 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 will, that will help reduce the risk. Eddie, we have an awful lot to talk to, and I, I think we're going to have to get you back another time to go through some more. But I know the Agricultural Catchments Programme are running uh, Agricultural Catchments Week starting from the 21st of February and running until the following Friday. Can you tell us what's planned and, and how we can assess that information? Yeah, um, well, I suppose... As I mentioned, we're, we're around for quite a while now in the catchments program, and we've built up relationships with, with obviously with the farmers in the catchments, but also with other agencies and, and, and uh, organizations over the years. And we have the theme of the week, which coming um, 
from the 21st to the 25th is working together for water quality. And there'll be a series of um, both podcasts and uh, short video releases out over, over social media covering the people that we are working with in the catches program and the, and the work that we've done. So it kind of varies from Monday on the first day, which will be a, an overview of the program and myself and, and colleagues will, will, will give a bit of an overview. We have a, one of the farmers in our Timberley catchment will give a talk. Um, just, just basically an overview of our, day, our daily work. The second day on Tuesday, we're getting into our advisory and knowledge transfer work. So what we do to engage with the farmers. The third day, we're focusing on water quality research. And for the last two years, we've expanded our, our area of research to take in gaseous emissions. Um, so we're looking at a bit, little bit on gaseous emissions, nitrogen fertilizer and white clover. And on the final day, um, the, the, the main topic is to do with our engagement in the education, agricultural education side of things. So we're, uh, a couple of the colleges, um, Valley Hayes and Clonakilty will be featured on that day along with other works. And I'm sure that can be all accessed through Chagas social media and uh, on the website. Yes, yeah, on, on the on, yes, exactly, Paul, on Chagas social media and on the website, on the, on the water quality section of our website, you'll be able to access um, access those details, but also uh, access those videos and, and the content. But also, if you want to look up and see specifically what you want to look at, the details are all there at the moment on Chagas.ie environment water quality. Yeah, look, Eddie, the Agriculture Catchments Programme is a hugely important programme uh, coming out of Chagas and a huge amount of benefit towards the agriculture industry. So I think it's really important for any farmers or anyone involved in the industry to remember that improving water quality is a vital part of, of protecting our industry going forward. So Eddie, look, we really enjoyed that chat and we certainly will have you back if you'll come and best of luck with Catchments Week, Agriculture Catchments Week. Thanks a million for your time. Thanks, Eddie. Thanks very much, Colin. That's it for this episode of the Chagas Environment Edge podcast. Thanks to Eddie Burgess, Agricultural Catchment Specialist with the Chagas Agricultural Catchments Programme for joining us on the show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Carl Summers. And I'm Georgia Glenn. Join us next time for the Chagas Environment Edge podcast, signpost to farm sustainability.